for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. If you've got your Bibles and you'd like to turn in them, that would be useful to Luke chapter 11. It will come up on the screen a little bit later on as well. So if you haven't got a Bible, don't worry. But I always believe it's good to have a Bible and to be able to... One of the ways as a young person I found my way through the Bible was having to turn to it when the preacher was preaching and finding different passages. And uh, I believe that's very useful. Um, but before I start, so last week Barney kicked, off, kicked, us, kicked the series off with why, you know, why pray? Why pray? This morning we're looking at how do we pray? And uh, it's, it's a good word. It's good to feed yourself and to encourage yourself. So I've got some four book recommendations here you might want to make note of. Uh, Dirty Glory, which has some amazing stories of encountering God and, and, uh, and God answering prayer. Uh, it'll have to be short and sweet, but that's the nature of that book. Very encouraging. So if you want some, some great encouragement and a spur to your prayer life, that is brilliant. Richard Foster, an older book on prayer, covers a whole range of prayer in different ways. Uh, another good book. Uh, this is a more recent book, A Praying Life, um, which uh, on the back someone says, what a refreshing book if you're tired of religious prayer games and rope prayers that stop at the ceiling if you have suspected that God was on vacation somewhere, this book will change your life. And it is a very down-to-earth book on prayer. And then uh, going uh, a little bit thinner still, this is a book by the Irish Franciscans, which you might not expect me to recommend, but I highly recommend it to you. Um, it's, it's called The Simplest Prayer. And it is just a, a beautiful little book on uh, lots of little chapters on different aspects of prayer. And you'll find it very, very encouraging. If you want a starting point, I would say get hold of that and read it. Okay. Thank you. So, we're looking at prayer. How, how do I pray? If you're anything like me, I have struggled with how to pray over the years. I was brought up in a Christian background with a certain understanding of the way to pray. And uh, over the years, I've, I've, my, my praying has changed. I've learned more and more how to pray. And I'm still praying. We always have the L plates on. And I wonder what word you would use to describe your prayer life this morning. You know, would you call it religious? Would you call it boring? Would you call it engaging? Would you call it consistent? Would you say, well, actually, it's stale, it's, it's sporadic, it's, I'm going to make up a word here, crisisistic, you know, when a crisis happens, that's when you pray. Um, is it passionate? Is it life-changing? Is it intimate? Is it meaningful? Is it a duty? Is it a relationship? How, what word would you use to describe your prayer life this morning? And that's important to ask that question because it will tell you a lot about where you're at in the life of prayer and what needs to change. Uh, we were made for life with God. And really that's what prayer is all about, doing life with God. We can live with, for God, we can live um, over God, etc. We can live kind of with God in some aspect of our lives in different ways, but we may not always be living with God. And I haven't got time to dig into that one in detail. But today we, we live in a world that was created by the, the so-called enlightenment, when you know, what, was, what was, wasn't tangible was rejected. 
So if you couldn't examine it scientifically, it wasn't there. You rejected it. And so the supernatural, so God was rejected. And we live in, in that world, a, a cold, a colorless, a, a godless world, a lonely world, a, a world without meaning or direction, only what you might give to it. And people give all sorts of things to that. And yet, you know, when we look at this world, the, the world of enlightenment and materialism hasn't satisfied the heart of humanity. It doesn't matter how much we have developed in science, how much we have developed in IT, etc., etc. There is still within the heart of mankind a God-shaped void that only God can fill. There are many substitutes out there. As people have looked around for that something more, they have looked at different things and so they've been looking for some kind of experience that is more than this materialistic world in which we live. And they're looking for some mystical encounter, some, some meaning beyond, some soul experience. And you've only got to look at the movies that are out there today and see how much of the supernatural in one way or another is in them, in this materialistic, godless, non-supernatural world. How many therapies there are that are out there today that rely on some force in order for them to, to work, etc. So modern man wants there to be more than this. He, 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 modern scientific man uh, has this God-shaped void that still only God can fill. No matter what he does, no matter what he creates, there's something within man that always cries out for God. And uh, Tim Keller, he says this about prayer. He says it is intimacy with the infinite. And I believe that's the cry of every man and woman, every person born into this world. Because of this God-shaped void within us, there is that, 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 that desire that for intimacy with something that is beyond ourselves, with the infinite, a connection, a relationship with the divine. There are so many different ways to pray. Uh, there are arrow prayers, intercessory prayers, deliverance prayers, healing prayer, prayers of authority, petitionary, contemplative, and so you could go on. But this morning we're going to look particularly at the Lord's Prayer because that's the one that he gave to his disciples as a guide to them as to how to pray. And so if you've got a Bible, and if you haven't, I say it will appear up there on the screen. We're just going to read it together. And in looking at the prayer, this prayer, I want to, to put it to you that it's, it's not meant to suggest, as it were, a religious exercise that you do on Sunday morning or you do every morning of every day of the week, but you forget the rest of the week or you forget the rest of the day. This is a prayer that I believe actually encompasses the whole of life through every day, through every day of the week, through every week, through every month of the year. And... Um, I want to look at it in that way. It's about a life lived with God, a life of abiding communion with him. And so Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he said to them, which of you has a friend 
and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine on his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, Don't trouble me, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, and I I can't rise and give you anything. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise up and give him as much as he needs. I find those last few verses a staggering statement indeed, and we'll come to that towards the end of the message this morning. But let's take a closer look, shall we, at this prayer. So let's notice the, the request. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. They had been observe, observing Jesus. They had seen the way he prayed. Now, they were people who knew what prayer was about. They would go to the synagogue. They, they knew prayer in some measure. And they knew about John the Baptist and they knew that John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And so they come to Jesus because when they look at Jesus, they see there's something different from their regular weekly experience. They see there is something different to the way John the Baptist has taught his disciples. They observe Jesus and they say, whatever it is that you have got when it comes to praying, we want it. That's staggering, isn't it? I don't know whether you ever look like, you ever feel like that when you read the Gospels. You read them through. I'm always staggered with the Gospels. I've been a Christian for humpteen years now. And, and, you know, when I, I read the Gospels again and again, and I, I just love it, the way Jesus prays, the way he talks to Father, the way the Father talks to him, how Jesus says, I don't do anything except what I see and hear the Father doing and saying. And so the disciples, they, they came to Jesus, and they, they recognized there was something different there. There was a dynamic, a, a reality, an intimacy to it. Jesus modeled to them what living with God was like. The disciples observed it, and they said, we want some of that. (laughs) We want some of that. And so they said, Jesus, teach us. Lord, teach us how to pray. And so in observing him, there was a desire created within them. They had this desire. And I want to ask you this morning, do you have that desire? That desire to pray like Jesus prayed? There was a realization of their need because they observed Jesus going to to the Father and bringing his life and his ministry before the Father and they they recognized that the need in Jesus drove him to the Father and they recognized they had need within themselves. So there was a realization of their need and there was also a willingness to learn. They came to him having observed and they said, would you teach us to pray like you do. Would you teach us to engage with Father God like you do? And when we think of that, it does suggest to us that prayer does require learning. It does require effort. That we can grow in prayer. It's much like uh, learning to converse. To begin with, it may be awkward and, and we, we, we stumble words out and we wonder what to say next and how, how does a conversation flow. But as we, we, we grow in conversation, as we grow in experience, it develops over time. And so it is in the place of prayer itself. It might start awkwardly. It might start, start in a very perhaps childish way, but it grows, it matures, it develops as we grow in that relationship. Regular times are good. 
and we would commend them to anyone. But pray, a praying life isn't simply about the discipline of saying, I'm going to have quarter of an hour or half an hour in the morning. I mean, when you read people like Martin Luther, they kind of shock you because he, he kind of says, well, you know, my life is so busy, I can't do anything less but have three hours with God every morning. And in our world, we kind of think, God, how do you do that? But it shows something of the importance of prayer when you read these great saints of old. But as good as those times are, as good and important as they may be, it's, it's about slipping into prayer in every aspect, in every part of every day of our lives so that our lives become wrapped up in prayer. They become a life of prayer in and of itself. Because we are aware of our, our lack, because we are aware of our need, because we are aware of our pride, and one of the things I'm having to learn is more prayer when I'm driving. You know? I used to be able to drive around and go to places, particularly when I had my bike as well, and I could pass all the traffic, and, and I could get to the front of the queue, and I, you know, I could be to the office in no time. And now I'm saying, God, would you give me grace for that person who's just crossed my path? Would you give me grace for that lady who's just sitting there looking in her mirror, preening herself at the traffic lights while they've gone green? You know, would, would you give me grace for all these things that I just keep finding happening? And Because, and to be honest, I can find it quite irritating. You know, come on, pay attention. You know, look at the lights. You know, I've got a, I've got a job to get to. I, I've got a life to live. What about you? And there are those who are obviously sitting there texting as well because they're, you know, doing this kind of thing, head down, head up, head down, head up, you know. And, and you just know that they're texting away. And so I, I'm having to bring a lot of my prayer life into my driving at the moment. God, give me more grace. Help me to pray for that person. There may be an issue in their life that uh, needs prayer at this moment in time. And so bringing prayer into our daily lives. Frequently we are so full of ourselves, so confident in our own abilities. Too much ourselves part of the enlightenment world. And, and we don't realize the need of prayer in our lives or we don't think there is a need. In reality, we don't need that self-discipline once we begin to realize, God, I need you. I need you in this situation when I'm driving. I need you when I get to work because there's a, there's a problem there. There are people I'm going to have to deal with. There's a situation. I'm going to need your help, O oh God. So in response to the disciples' request, Jesus gave them a framework, a prompt, a guide on how to pray. Now, you know, let's be honest. For those of us in non-liturgical uh, circles, we kind of frowned on such things. Do we need a framework? And I would suggest actually a framework can be very helpful because otherwise your prayer life can spiral into just you and God. And you won't think of things at times you need to be thinking about and praying about. Um, but that's a bigger subject. And so our prayer lives can end up rather small in, and limited in their scope and we might only focus on ourselves. We might never uh, confess our sins, uh, etc. And so the Lord's Prayer just provides us with a, a beautiful framework in which we can be constantly relating and realigning our, our lives to God and his purposes. It gives us a, a basis as we go through our days. How can I pray the kingdom into this situation? What need is there here? Uh, I, I've just wronged somebody or somebody's wronged me. I need to confess my sins. I, I need uh, God's mercy. I, I pray for God's mercy on that particular individual. So it gives us a, a good basis for praying. It reminds us that we're family. It lifts us up in worship. It engages us with God's purposes it, as well as bringing our needs and failings and awareness of our need of Father's help. 
on the battlefield where the world, the flesh, and the devil are our constant enemy. So, number two, the basis of our praying. And that is, Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. And I just love that. It's beautiful, isn't it? I've said it before, but I grew up in a tradition where that was unusual to pray like that. And the first time I ever heard someone pray like that, I was like, how can you do that? That's too familiar. But actually, that is just the familiarity that Jesus wants us to have. And what staggers me is Jesus is saying, you can relate to the Father in exactly the same way as I do. And they had observed him time and again when he was praying, saying, Father, my Father. And so when when they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, Jesus says to them, when you pray, say, our Father, our Father. So in the Gospels, especially in John's Gospel, we get glimpses into the the heart of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, into the into, if you like, the heartland of the Trinity and those, those relationships between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And John's Gospel is a, a great Gospel for discovering that if you've not sort of really given that much attention. Just go to it and read how he relates to Father and Father relates to him and he talks of the Spirit, etc. So prayer for Jesus was not some ritual observance. And he will have grown up with the, the regular prayers of the synagogue, morning and afternoon and evening. He would have had those times. But when they watched him pray, and they saw him go away into quiet places, withdraw himself and pray, they observed something. That this was no mere formality. This was not some religious exercise. This was a relationship. And so when Jesus prayed, he prayed, Father, and it was a shock to the Jews. They had a general knowledge of of God as the Father of Israel, but they didn't have that intimate knowledge and experience. It's also today a a shock to the Muslim who says that you should never call God Father. It's inappropriate and it's dishonoring to do so. At the other end of the spectrum, of course, uh, it's a total contrast to to the the non-personal experience that you find in Eastern mysticism, which has crept into our Western world where I I empty my mind and just become open or merged to or with uh, that... uh, that kind of all that is somewhere there, whatever it may be, whatever you may call it, a non-personal all. Jesus modeled what living with God was like, a very real relationship. It's like a family, he said. And you are included in this family. So he said, when you pray, say, our Father. And, you know, we've been singing about the goodness of God this morning, the goodness of Father. And he is a good, good Father. You know, we can, we can think, well, you know, my, my concept of Father is not good, and I can't do that. And I want to say, yes, you can. Yes, you can, because your concept that perhaps your Father let you down in some way or other shows that you have a higher concept of what Father should be like. And the Scriptures reveal to us the Father heart of God and how He loves and He redeems and He cares and, uh, for His children and, and, and ga- loves to gather them up in His arms, etc., so don't allow, as it were, modern psychology to trap you and hold you in your, in your past. Get hold of the Word of God and say, this is what it says about God as my Father. And believe in Him and trust in Him and relate to Him as that beautiful and wonderful Father that He is. And Jesus enabled that relationship also through His death on the cross, 
We know that our sin had separated us, but Jesus came and he gave his life for us. He, he paid the price for our sins. And, uh, and so he says, you may come. You may come just as you are. I don't know whether you have been like me, but I am by nature a perfectionist. And sometimes I like to get things right before I get things right with God. Do you know what I mean? Is anyone, I don't know whether anybody, anybody else is like that, but that, that's how I find... Oh, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel in a good enough frame of mind to come to God in this moment. You know, I, I don't feel in the right mood to come to God in this moment. I don't even feel spiritual enough to come to God in this moment. Do you know, if you get in that frame of mind, you are trapped and the devil will beat you from pillar to post. And the beauty of prayer is that because Jesus paid it all, I come just as I am. I come with all my failings. I come with all that I am in my messed up life and I say, God, I'm here because of Jesus and I'm glad you welcomed me. But the enemy will come and he whisper in our hearts and in our minds, oh, I saw what you said earlier on today. Think you can come to God like that? He will come and he'll say, yeah, your day's been really rough. You don't really feel in the right frame to approach God. He'll do everything to keep us away from Father because he knows the goodness of the Father's heart. Jesus paid it all. And it is just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. That is the only basis of our relationship. And, and Jesus, of course, went on to say that when I go away, I'm going to send one like myself, the Spirit. And Paul says that through the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. And through the blood of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, we have that boldness, yeah, to come into Father's presence as his children, as his dearly beloved. Have you ever thought of yourself in that way this morning, that you are dearly beloved? And so you, you, might, you, you may come and delight in his presence. You may enjoy him. So as such, we are, we're not trying to connect because we already have a connection. We are family. Yeah. Can remember getting married. You know, remember, you know, courtship and then, you know, that, that kind of time when you're, you're engaging with the family and then you get to the point where your feet are under the table and you feel you're accepted. You are the son-in-law, you know. You belong. I should never forget Pam's mum on, on our wedding day when we got married and after we got married and, uh, and it was most unlike your mum, wasn't it? And she just came up to me and she just threw her arms around me. It was so precious. It was so precious. I belong to the family. Not just my own family, but I, I now belong to Pam's family. And the beauty of that, and do you know that's what the Father does for us? And he comes to us in the Spirit, to us in the Spirit, and he just puts his arms around us. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love to have you here. What a beautiful thought. So we're, we're not trying to get, connect. We're not earning the right to access. Hallelujah. So we don't need any special voices. We, we don't need to get all religious. We come as we are. I can remember as a young person reading about uh, uh, um, Fred Lemon, who many of you will never have heard of. He was a hardened criminal, and he was in a, in a very secure prison. And, and Jesus met him one day, and Jesus said to him, Hi, Fred. And that was a big shock to me, because I thought, Jesus, do you really talk like that? You know, he, he, he spoke Fred Lemon's language. And that, that man became a Christian and a tremendous witness for Jesus. 
So, so we come as we are. We speak our language and, and God knows. Hallelujah. And it's about being real. Because, you know, the, the kingdom can only come to us in reality. And I, I have to admit, I've come to times of prayer where I've, I've kind of ignored where I am and, and prayed out there in some other way. And it doesn't connect. But God deals with the real, not with pretense. And he can cope with us coming with our frustrations, coming with our worries, coming with all of those things. So when we pray our Father, we, uh, lastly on this point, we need to pray affirmatively. A bit like we've been doing this morning, singing songs that affirm our faith. We don't let the, the devil get on our back, but we, we come confident and we, confidently and we say, Our Father who is in the heavens, hallowed be your name. We come with faith. We come with strong conviction, affirming what is and not what we feel. And again, you could dig into that area because there's so much you could bring out there. Jesus, when he, he prayed, he didn't say, oh, oh Father, I feel all alone. I'm not sure what's, what's going on. I feel all alone. He, no, he said, the Father is with me. He said, I and the Father are one. So he confessed faith. So thirdly, we need a framework he provided a framework in which to pray. So he said, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven. And we've read the scripture there. So I've got, um, I think it's five or six Ps here, um, which are not original. Um, you know, there's, there, there are these things out there everywhere. I was going to call it something else, and I looked at the Ps, and I thought, no, just go with it, because they're so good. So they'll come up on your screen there. So first thing is presence. We talk about that as being... You know, one of the things that we're after, the presence of God. And when we come to prayer, it is seeking first his presence as our priority, not seeking answers to our requests. It is knowing him. It is enjoying him. Otherwise, we can end up, prayer can be a a relationship where we're simply coming to God for him to serve our own ends. And it's all about me. James Stewart, a a famous preacher whom I love to read of of years gone by, he says this, God can't be real to a man who doesn't pray and the unseen can't grip and hold a man who is never on his knees. So, you know, when we we, we come to pray, we come to the reality of God's abiding presence. We come to a relationship. We come to know him. We come to to worship him. We, We come to delight in him. You can take these things away and meditate on them more, even more in your own time because I'm, I'm throwing them out very quickly. And then we, there's praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. So there's a sense of praise. It's, it's good to praise God because if I start with where I am, I kind of go lower and lower. You know, I don't know whether you start that, done that, you know, and, and, and your life begins. It's like, a, it's like sucking something that sucks you deeper and deeper into its it's pit of destruction. And you come away from your prayer life thinking, oh my goodness, what happened there? But no, when we, when we praise him, we turn our hearts and our minds from our circumstances to God who is sovereign, to God who rules and reigns, to God who loves and, and provides and so on. And um, so it's always good in prayer to orient ourselves towards heaven. And then we come to purpose. We pray your kingdom come. We invite the kingdom in. It may be 
that, you know, ask the question of yourselves uh, in, in groups that you're in or whatever. How can I bring, how can I see, we see the kingdom of God come more into our lives and uh, into this world in which we live? You might have a child that's, that's difficult in this moment in time. Pray the kingdom over them. Pray the kingdom of God into their lives. One of the things as a family that we used to do was pray that our family might be a, a microcosm, a small example of the kingdom of God, of the reign of God. Praying the blessing of God upon our children, upon our grandchildren, and uh, you know, covering them in prayer. Praying about our workplaces, how can the kingdom come there? Praying about our streets, how can the kingdom come there? Our town, our nation. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you have provision. So all of those things that we need, give us this day our daily bread. What do you need today? What is on your heart? It allows us to to bring those issues before Father rather than letting them control our lives. Because if we don't, they will control our lives. We will be consumed with, with, with worry, with anxiety through our days. It will eat into us and get the better of us. So, can I encourage you, don't be problem-oriented, but be prayer-oriented. When problems arise, take it to God in prayer. Lift it up there. Say, God, you know what's going on here. Lord, grant your provision. Maybe there are some here this morning who need healing. and Maybe there will be opportunity uh, later on for, for prayer, for healing. And we come trusting him, believing him. Seeking that provision that he can indeed provide. We need pardon. Yet we are fully justified through faith in Jesus Christ. And we are, right, we are the righteousness of God in him, but I still mess up. And I need to know day by day his forgiveness and his cleansing and his renewal. It helps me to, to focus on how I grow in him and how I overcome sin and temptation. And it, that leads us to the, the last point there, Protection. You know, we live in a world, we, we are living in a world where at the moment the kingdom has not fully come. And there is an enemy around who, who goes around seeking, roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He is the enemy of our souls. We find ourselves up against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And let's not fool ourselves that he, you know, he doesn't care about you. You are too insignificant. He cares about every one of us because we know Jesus. And he wants to keep us from the truth that is ours in Jesus, from the reality of this with God life that is in Jesus. Number four, very quickly then. Be persistent. Be persistent. And I'm going to have to leave you with that story on its own, but it's about shameless audacity. It's about shameless persistence, as different translations put it. It's about a shameless boldness. It's about, in the old word, importunity. That, that willingness to come to God and keep pressing in, pressing in, pressing in, and praying, and praying, and praying. And uh, I want to, can we put up the next slide um, on the screen there, the next part? Push. Take this away. Push. Pray until something happens. Let's say that together. Pray until something happens. Say it again. Pray until something happens. That is persistence. 
That is what it is to be persistent in prayer. That's the story that Jesus told. And it seems staggering to us that we can pray that way. So Jesus says you've got permission to pray like that, to keep on coming to the Father, coming to the Father, praying until something happens. Hallelujah. God loves it. (laughs) And the devil hates it because he knows the power of prayer. And he trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees, as the old saying goes. So you may feel very weak in prayer, but in prayer, you are powerful. With prayer, you can tear down kingdoms. With prayer, you can release the provision of God into your life. With prayer, you can get the wisdom of God for that business situation that you're involved in. With prayer, you can have wisdom for your family. So shameless audacity, and lastly, the quote that's going to come up there, Persistence in prayer brings results that casual prayer does not. Persistence in prayer brings casual bring, persistence in prayer brings results that casual prayer does not. So, don't just pray when you feel like it, pray at all times. Look to the promises of God, get in the word of God and trust as someone has said his strong grace. Pray for yourselves, pray for those in and around you. Learn to pray your story as part of his larger story. The people you pass, the people you encounter in your everyday life, pray for them. Stop judging them. Pray for them. Prayer transforms the way that we see people. When situations crop up, don't let them push you away, but go to God in prayer. Seek his wisdom, and he will indeed provide. Amen.